We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I'm your host, John McCagney, joined as always by Mario Puig. We are recording this live stream, so I'm not really recording it. We are fully live streaming here, just a little bit earlier than than we uh, than we normally do. Uh, obviously, with, with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up on our usual record date of Thursday. So thanks for bearing with us here. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the road wire NFL channel, the, the guys just had the waiver wire show just a little bit ago, and now you're being treated to more fantasy football goodness to get you ready for Thanksgiving week's slate of NFL action. So Mario, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday? Oh, it feels weird recording this early, but uh, it's nice to be recording, I guess. What, what about you? About the same. Um, I'm not jet lagged because I flew up the coast yesterday. So oh, you're uh, at home. Okay, I am I thought, literally home. Yeah, I thought your dad was doing Thanksgiving at your apartment for a second there or something. I didn't realize what you were. Okay, that makes more sense. I I can certainly picture us trying to pull that off, and like the turkey would be on fire. Um, everything else would be fully microwaved, and um, yeah, it'd probably just kind of end with us like somehow ordering a pizza. I. If if I had uh, if I didn't have other people witnessing me and in, in like the anticipation of shame for it, I would just do that. <laughs> I mean, it it's low key a, a respectable move. I, if I, no one I was looking, I would just do it every day, probably. I I can hundred percent respect that. Um, but speaking of Thanksgiving, we've got three games uh, that we're going to be treated to uh, this year on Thursday. So why don't we get things rolling here as we do? Every week, roll through the entire slate of games. We got the Bears and Lions, and this one pretty tricky, especially as we uh, are set to record here. Justin Fields obviously suffers that that rib injury in Sunday's loss to the Ravens, and of course, Tim Boyle was the starter for the Lions in, in a game where they almost beat the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. This one, of course, being hosted in Detroit as is tradition. So what are your thoughts here? I mean, it's it's uh, America is going to be kind of treated to one of the ugliest possible matchups you could you could come up with this season uh, here on Thursday to, to kick things off. But I think it might be competitive, but in, in a very like rock fight ish type of way, a grim way. Yeah. Um, 
Well, the other thing is there's more drama behind this Thanksgiving game, maybe than more than maybe any other uh, ever. And I don't know what's going on with this Nagy stuff. Some website called patch.com is saying that he's going to get fired after the game. And I don't I don't know what patch is. I don't know why they would fire him after the game. I don't know why you'd say happy giving uh, happy Thanksgiving, Matt. Uh, we're firing you. I would have just done it already, I guess. Or I would have said, no, to hell with it. Who cares? Well, do it at some other point, but uh, leaking before the game. That's crazy. Um, anyway, it's brutal there. If it's Dalton, and I guess it seems like it's going to be Dalton, right? So uh, him with no Robinson, if Robinson is out again, and uh, the defense being as bad as it is, we would almost consider the Bears uh, the underdog, right? Like it would, it would. I guess if Tim Boyle's the quarterback, maybe that undoes it. Um, right. That, that guy's incredibly bad, by the way, and it's it's <laughs> egregious that he's so much as on an NFL roster or ever was. Like he was playing at what was this Eastern Kentucky or yeah, Eastern Kentucky, and he was putting up numbers like they did in the NFL in like the 1930s, back when like everybody ran a wishbone and and you were a good throwing quarter. a forward pass made you a witch. Yeah, and if if you were a good quarterback, if you threw eight touchdowns to twenty two interceptions, like that's what his numbers look like at Eastern Kentucky. And for, he's not a runner. I've never been more confused about why a player is in the NFL than Tim Boyle, let alone actually playing in a game. So uh, yeah, never mind. If he plays, they I don't know if DeAndre Swift could carry the team single handedly in that situation, uh, no matter how bad the opponent is. Right. And not only is Tim Boyle, obviously a non-viable NFL quarterback, John. but beyond Swift, they have nobody in that offense. He had 12 touchdowns passing in college compared to, uh, sorry, my math at 26, intercept, 12 to 26 was his career touchdowns, interceptions. And he averaged uh, under uh, 55% completed in his first three. Okay. Anyway, sorry, that, that's crazy. Um, I love DeAndre <laughs> Swift. I like, I like how bad the bears defense is without Khalil Mack, without Akeem Hicks and, and Swift. I think um, he's, he's kind of in the zone lately. Everything else is stupid and wrong with the, the lions offense, but uh, he's in the zone. So um, if the lions win, it's probably because he went completely insane. Yeah. that That's kind of the, their only path. And then uh, if Dalton kind of goes Dalton mode in, in, uh, Dalton, not against the Ravens fashion. Dalton, of course, looked good on Sunday. Jim Nance was really leaning into that on the broadcast. Was like, well, here's a bunch of other times that Andy Dalton has ripped out the Ravens' hearts before. Would, would you like to see them? And then, yeah, so, so they were really leaning into that. AJ, I, he I means like know. A.J. Green, right? It was pretty he, much A.J. Green. <laughs> well, the, the Tyler Boyd year to, to knock the Ravens out of the play- playoffs in Week <laughs> right. 17 as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there there is a litany of examples of, of Dalton really doing it to me. So he's he's my number one enemy. Um, but that's besides the point for this one. But it, Andy Dalton in non-Ravens games over the course of his career, uh, pretty bad. Um, so, it, again, he also doesn't have a ton to work with uh, here when it, when it comes to the Bears. So I I do kind of lean with, with you where it, it's possible that the Lions come out and win this one and get their first win for Dan Campbell on Thanksgiving just because of, of you know, the, the Bears playing as poorly as they are and yeah. being as dysfunctional as they are. I don't know. I think I, I do like chance the chances of Swift to have a huge game, and and that's that's kind of cool to think about. But I I really don't see a single thing going for the Lions. Otherwise, like Tim Boyle, it, it, I almost feel the need to write a a legislature legislator about this because um, man, I, I, this is insane. I don't. I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm losing my mind in the middle of this. I, I'm I'm obviously like an obsessive person, and right now I can't think about the podcast anymore. I'm like I gotta find 
the the answer to this Tim Boyle mystery. Who did this? There's some kind of conspiracy here. I don't know what it is. Um, but he's too bad. You can't. You cannot possibly win an NFL game with this guy. That's I think what I'm going with. Okay, that that's totally fair. Uh, we'll we'll see if if the Bears can hold up their end of that bargain on Thursday. Next up, we got the Raiders going up against the Cowboys in Dallas. This one uh, is another game that I, I think, as of a couple of weeks ago, was pretty much consensus circled as the best game that we were going to get on Thanksgiving this year. I think it, it still could be, but you know, a lot of the the luster gets taken off when there's no Amari Cooper and obviously CeeDee Lamb suffering the concussion uh, in Sunday's loss to the Chiefs. That that certainly changes things as well here. So uh, we're looking at at the Cowboys, seven and a half point favorites, even with the, those injuries in mind. So what are your thoughts on, on this matchup here as the Raiders continue to kind of struggle down the stretch? I guess seven and a half, seven seem like a lot of points to me, uh, if only because I think for it to be a full score, you kind of need a, a bad game out of Derek Carr. Maybe that's exactly what happens. I mean, he's he hasn't looked so great for the past, uh, I guess, month or whatever it's been. And Dallas's defense isn't exactly stout, but it can be dangerous at times. So, you know, the, the field's shrinking on the, on the Raiders offense without Henry Ruggs. And if they're not going to establish Deshaun Jackson as sort of a replacement in that capacity, then it just it makes them worse in a different looking offense than they were when when Carr was actually playing well earlier this year. So if they can get Deshaun going, I would like their chances a bit more. And you, you would like that, I think, to clear out some room for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, both of whom have seen the field shrink on them. Uh, Renfro has been getting pinched quite a bit the past three weeks because Carr just started leaning on him that much more when Ruggs was gone. But it's not going to work. And if, if they keep trending in that downward direction, then Dallas's defense looks pretty dangerous for them. So. I think um, I think I definitely expect a bounce back game from Dak. So I I don't want to take the the Raiders to cover that seven exactly, but uh, it, it, if if I'm going to go with Dallas, it's yeah, it's basically because I think Dak is is too good to have two games like like he had last week, and uh, I guess that's what I'll go with. Yeah, I, mean, I can completely understand where you're coming from with, with that one. I mean, uh, Dak Prescott led offense. Uh, Super, super dangerous. Even if the the receiving core yeah, isn't, I don't know. isn't yeah, I guess healthy. if CD if CD is in, I guess should say if if CD and and Cooper are both out, I guess that's a little different of a deck. Yeah, well, well, I think you know we we could see a line movement if um you know maybe just like a half point or something. But um, yeah. if 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 Lamb ends up getting ruled out, a, a quick aside uh, for you when it, when it comes to the Raiders in this passing game. What do you do with Brian Edwards at this point? Like, I'm not, I'm not even. I, I think this year is a lost cause essentially. But what do you? How like, how do you uh, look look at him for for dynasty or for for redraft next year? I think he's good, but like he's he's playing a role that can't really work in this offense. They're asking him to run farther downfield than they should, and in specifically like uh, the capacity where. He, like like last week, he would have occupied Chidobi Awuzie, so he he'll draw the shadow corner. From an outside, for, for, from another team, if they got an outside shadow corner, if they, if they have a Darius Slay, that guy's on Brian Edwards because that corner doesn't go to the slot on Hunter Renfro. Um, I should say, I guess, if uh, unless Darren Waller is positioned outside, it'll always be Edwards who gets that shadow corner. So uh, in this game, like uh, I don't know what Dallas might do with a where they place Trevon Diggs and Anthony Brown, but if they want to shadow someone, it will almost certainly be Diggs on Edwards. So for a guy who has realistically no shot of being higher than third 
in the target rotation, if only because of the kind of quarterback Derek Carr is. Uh, but I, also, I would say because they are making him run further downfield than than he has the speed to. Uh, in addition to that, he gets the toughest coverage every time. So I think he's good. Um, but admittedly, as long as Derek Carr is the quarterback, uh, and if if they don't lower Brian Edwards' depth of target, it, it's just going to be he keeps getting like all the most thankless tasks in the offense. Yeah, that, that's a really good breakdown there. I, I hadn't really considered that. That in addition to the way that he was being utilized, he was also drawing uh, most weeks the, the toughest corner matchup uh, of any of those Raiders pass catchers. So, yeah, that that makes a difficult decision all the all the much worse uh, when, when it comes to Edwards. So maybe maybe do keep the faith for for next year and more in dynasty for, than for redraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but th- this year. It, doesn't look like it, it's going to get much better. So going back to Dallas for, for a moment, let's assume that that Lamb and, and Coop are not playing. Any of these receivers particularly stand out to you? Do you like a Cedric Wilson that you're going to use for, for a Thursday slate DFS or even a, a streaming option? Do you like Michael Gallup? That sort of thing. Well, w- Wilson's interesting because he's been their main slot specialist, but even when they would have uh, – even, even when they would have a lot of like three wide stuff, he'd or rather, sorry, there are a lot of times where they would go two tight end with with Jarwin instead of Cedric Wilson. So even when um somebody was missing time, oh, when Gallup was missing time, it's like you'd have all these games where you'd look at the matchup for Cedric Wilson in the slot and be like, oh, this is such a good setup. And you'd think it could be maybe a big game for him, but then he'd end up playing only 25 snaps and, and uh, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz would both play over 45 snaps. But in this game, if CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are both out, then Cedric Wilson might actually have to play that three down role. He might play uh, 55, 60 snaps. Noah Brown, I think that he's the other guy and he, he doesn't do anything. So I don't think he's a serious option. So yeah, they're down to basically Gallup and uh, Cedric Wilson. I, I don't know who would be next after them, but Wilson has been pretty good with the targets that he's gotten. It's, it's never been, a, it's never been with like the bullseye on him. It's always been, you know, Cooper and lamb, if not, uh, Cooper Lamb and Gallup are all on the field and Wilson kind of just gets open and he, he makes the play that he should but we don't know if he's going to be able to kind of uh, create separation when the defense is actually gunning for him so if he's if he's going against someone like Casey Hayward I, I hate that matchup for him I don't really like his chances there and in the slot too, Nate Hobbs has been really good this year I think last week was maybe his worst game um, but he still had a really good year on, on the whole so uh, Wilson's opportunity level is way up, but I don't think the matchup is obviously great if only because of Hayward and Hobbs. And then, you know, we go if, you know, we're looking at a shorthanded pass catching unit, but for the Cowboys, we saw how well the Bengals were able to run on, on the Raiders a week ago. Do we yeah. think that, that that's something that, that uh, the Cowboys try to explore here? Um, it know, almost has to be because yeah. the, if, especially if those two receivers are both out, uh, I, I just I just can't see them running their usual offense, or uh, rather their their usual more aggressive passing offense with wide receiver personnel like this. So um, yeah, it's even even uh, even at tight end, it's a little touch and go with Jarwin on IR. So it's it's a it's a really thin group of route runners that they have, and they probably should try to keep it on the ground and, and sort of uh, make this a quick game if they can. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Zeke and Tony Pollard featured. I thought uh, Pollard looked looked like one of the few bright spots for for Dallas on 
on Sunday, you know, the seven carries for 50 yards, a couple of catches for 20 yards um, on top of that. So um, he, he seems to have some juice and look, kind of look to me like Zeke is, is working through something. I don't know what exactly. Well, yeah, he is uh, hurt. So it, it, I, I think Pollard projects pretty well anyway in this matchup, but given that and given the wide receiver injuries or illness injury, uh, I, I would think this has to be the best on paper game on paper matchup for Pollard so far this year. Okay. All right. I love that call. Let's get on to the nightcap for Thanksgiving. When we're all full and tired, we get one more serving. We get bills saints. We get, um, we get the bills. Hard to know what to make of them right now. I mean, I, I, I think that the Jaguars game is still an anomaly, but I, I think that last week's game, I think it started. It, things are starting to get a little bit troubling when, when it comes to to Buffalo, and they have to go to New Orleans on Thanksgiving night. I don't know, man. This this feels a little bit funky to me. If I, if I'm if I'm backing the Bills, um, and they they are four point road favorites, that that to me feels like a, a decent amount uh, of points, especially for a road team. Right. So, I guess the the full background here is I'm probably a tiny bit more skeptical of Josh Allen uh, as of 2021 than most people, because I thought in that Ravens game that that Martindale kind of showed everybody the way you stop Josh Allen if there is a way to stop him. Uh, sometimes he'll he'll just have games where he you know he's too good to be stopped. I guess, but the way if you have a chance is to just call zone coverages. Don't try to do man coverages because if he figures out before the snap where all the coverage is then he's pretty tough to stop he'll he'll be even accurate if he can uh know ahead of time where he needs to go or at least if he knows the order of of how things are going to unfold after the snap he can hit some pretty you know far downfield precise targets but he becomes inaccurate when he has to scramble and, and has less time after the snap to figure everything out or if he guesses wrong how something is un- unfolding. And it, it's easier to, to make mistakes when you're reading the defense if it's zones. And if you don't have guys moving before the snap with the motion that you set and you don't have obvious man-to-man alignments that give away who's on who. So that Jags game was an anomaly. Like I think, you know, the other, if they played nine more times, we'd pick the Bills to win all nine of those probably. But the way that the Jags defense stopped them is just kind of a variation of, of what Martindale showed only now they're running like basic cover two too high stuff. And it's, it's really causing a lot of problems for Allen. So if, if you're, if you're, I don't know, I, I, I think Dable will come up with something, but it's the, the longer this goes on and it's been going on for three weeks, I would say uh, that they, that be, uh, that the bills offense has been in a really bad spot uh, after already being a little disappointing before the last three weeks uh, earlier this year it's getting to the point where I'm wondering if they just don't have the personnel to do more than this. If they need to, I don't know, get, go away from a Cole Beasley type slot receiver and, and more of like a big fast guy who at least like locks up one of those safeties because as it is like Cole Beasley worked so well last year, but it's like the, if you put a safety over the top, you can kind of just like leave them alone because you, you can always tackle them underneath. And I don't know, maybe they need somebody who can stress the seam a little bit more. It's like they don't really have a great downfield threat. Their main downfield threat is Gabriel Davis, and he runs like a four five three. Not to mention he only plays 20, 25 snaps a game. So maybe they need to stretch the field a bit more to, to kind of uh, deter defenses from lining up this exact way against Josh Allen as they do. Normally what you would do in this situation is just run the ball more, but I think, you know, maybe the running backs aren't good enough, but the way I see it is it's just kind of difficult to run from the formations that they tend to 
to to call because they they call these formations to suit Josh Allen as a passer and they're these pistol type looks that that are just not that easy to play from if you're a running back so I'm kind of I think they need to to figure out an adjustment and at this point in the year I'm kind of getting worried that they just don't really have the time to do it right yeah that we are you know getting close to December here and you know that things just have not been trending particularly well for the Bills. It feels like the the high water mark of their season was um, that that rainy game uh, out in Kansas City on the, on that Sunday night. Or do you think it was hubris of the Bills to go into this season with the likes of Singletary and Mossa as their top two? I don't think so. I mean, I I happen to think Moss, if healthy, is decent, and maybe he gets beat up too easily to to be in that state as often as they need him to. But it's like they're getting decent enough returns from the ground game. It's just they can't really go to it that much. And uh, it, the, the hits that they do get in the ground game, it, it's like every play feels like a draw almost. It's like they, they don't really have plays where they just bash you with it with the running back. They have just these kind of slow developing shotgun looking handoffs that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, you only ran plays like that when you were in third and 15 or you're you just trying to run out the clock before a half ended or something like that. Uh, that's the only real run play that they have or like their staple run play anyway. And I, th- I think it's just a bad structure to run from. Another thing they would maybe consider is kind of doing a change the way that the Eagles did in the middle of this year where they opened the year playing more like the Buffalo Dable formations, like very spread out, uh, never under center, uh, kind of difficult to run from that look. So they barely tried. They did have, you know, one carry for Miles Sanders in the third quarter. Uh, then they changed like three weeks ago or whenever they called up Jordan Howard, they started running their offense a little differently. And they're saying like, fine, we're going to be bigger and more run heavy. And we're going to get the defense to, to make it easier for us to throw by throwing less and running more and making them take the run threat more seriously. It's like, they almost need to get that kind of, uh, they, they need an epiphany like the Eagles had and, and become just different looking, I guess. Uh, Cause otherwise I, I feel like defenses have basically figured them out right now. Get like Nick Sirianni. We've been saying it all along. Shane Steichen. <laughs> Shane Steichen is who we're giving credit for. Uh, okay. The good, <laughs> yeah. good, good name there. Good, good, um, good, good pull. And then on the Saints side of things, obviously we, we were without Alvin Kamara for, for the second consecutive week last week. Uh, that wasn't a particularly good game that, that the Saints played up in Philly, but they're a different team at home and, and and on a big stage. So I give them a puncher's chance, even if they're if they're pretty hamstrung as far as what their personnel looks like. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I I would pick the Bills to to win and cover this. Sure. And I guess the okay. reason is it's just uh, if Simeon has to play, it's not quite as bad as Tim Boyle, but Trevor Simeon is pretty pretty bad. Uh, I don't think you can really compete in the NFL with him. Yeah, I you know yeah. Uh, po- that's a decent thing to, to base uh, analysis off of when, when the quarterback is that far below what, what a replacement level quarterback yeah, looks like. Bad Josh Allen is uh, 10 times as good as good Trevor Simeon. See, exactly. So good, good to keep that perspective. Of course, uh, before we get on to the Sunday part of the slate, a quick message from our sponsors over at blue wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Mario, on to Sunday. We got Jets, Texans, a battle of just uh, sheer awesomeness here in the, in the AFC. So we don't have to linger on this one too long. I know that Philip Lindsay was put on waivers shortly before we sat down to, re- to record this pod. Not, not sure how much that really shakes up the, this Tennessee offense. Tennessee obviously coming off of an uh, impressive win. Um, I'm sorry, Houston coming off the impressive win against Tennessee. Tennessee also lost to the Jets, so kind of kind of weird, uh, weird little wrinkle in this season. But how do you see this one shaking out? Uh, I have no idea. The, te- the Texans barely seem like a real team, and uh, the Jets, despite their problems, I feel like they're at least trying to f- to be one. I don't even know if Houston cares enough. It feels like Houston's just kind of uh, – just trying to click simulate season like in Madden and then mm-hmm. not think about any of this stuff. Go, go do something else until uh, April or whatever the jets. Uh, I mean, I guess to be fair to Flacco, I uh, didn't really get much going until later in the game. If I remember right, but he played a pretty p- clean game could have gone worse against the dolphins. I mean, it's not, it's not a great defense that they have, but it's easier to, for things to go wrong against the dolphins than against the Texans. So, uh, it may be folly to, to think, what if Joe Flacco has two good games in a, or, you know, is you know, Joe Flacco is going to have two good, good games in a row? I kind of feel like he will, though. And uh, the, the Jets quietly on offense have a lot of really good threats from scrimmage all of a sudden. I mean, with uh, Crowder and D- Davis are more steady than exciting. But Elijah Moore has been really hot uh, for about a month now. And I don't really see any reason for that to stop it. Like, this is how good we had reason for uh we had reason to believe he was actually this good all along. And it was more so the first month or whenever his struggles were, those were disappointing. So uh, it may feel like chasing points or something to, to think Elijah Moore maybe keeps this up, but uh, I, th- I think we were both really high on him. So it's like, I see numbers like the last three weeks and I'm, I'm not particularly surprised. I don't, I don't feel the need 
uh, to throw cold water on any of it. And uh, no. yeah, him, him, Crowder, Davis, that's a lot to stop, even if you're a good defense and the Texans aren't that. No, that they're certainly not. And, and yeah, Elijah Moore is someone who had that, you know, almost pristine uh, prospect profile, really yeah. impressive stuff, you know, but the way that he produced his last uh, couple seasons at Ole Miss, killer workout numbers. And yeah, I mean, all of, all of his advanced metrics for this season, they're high into the green. The only thing that's kind of lagging behind is his catch rate. Which is uh, a he, good sign. Yes, that, exactly. That's going to go up. It's going to go up because he's proven that he can he can be or he has good hands. He he did that at, at Ole Miss, and I, I think a lot of that can be attributed to probably seeing some trash targets from you know the the combination of Zach Wilson and and Mike White and Joe Flacco and Josh Johnson. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't really use that that catch rate against him. He's yeah. been. Yeah, heating up of late touchdowns uh, in three straight games. The air, yards, the air yards per snap is at 91st percentile, and I know it was not particularly high after the first uh, four weeks. So, yeah, he's 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 raking, and yeah, it's a, it's a month now of, of high volume and highly efficient production from him. We love it, uh, but my best ball profile is is very pleased. Uh, uh, I have many of, of uh, many notable misses for, from uh, my best ball portfolio this year, but um, – more, I don't think, is going to end up being one of them. So hopefully uh, carry me over the cash line in a couple of spots. Let's keep things rolling. We got Bucks going to Indianapolis to, to face the, the Colts. Uh, Buccaneers, obviously, they, they they won pretty comfortably in, the, in that Monday nighter. Uh, we saw Steve McClendon catch a pop fly interception from, from Daniel Jones. Just it was... Daniel Jones throws the most just memeable interceptions. It's it's. Really I like him so much more than I thought I would back when he was a Duke prospect. Like, mm-hmm. we we need more quarterbacks like him. Enough of these dreary, like boring failures. Like, fail like Daniel Jones. Be yeah, a hero. Go spectacularly. Like not less Carson Wentz, more Daniel Jones. That's how I feel. Amen. Absolutely. So anyway, speaking of Carson Wentz, that uh, they're going up against those uh, Buccaneers. So this matchup. We have Indy three-point home underdogs in this one. Buccaneers obviously just got off of a, a mini little schneid that they were on, you know, having lost to the, to the Saints and the football team uh, in recent weeks. So uh, are you buying the, that the Bucs have, have kind of w- snapped out of their midseason slumber, or is this a legitimately tough matchup for, for them going on the road? Well, uh, it depends a lot on the health, I guess, of I, – I didn't look. Carlton Davis didn't play yesterday, did he? Because uh, he could he could be really close. And I didn't expect Sean uh, Bunting Murphy to play yesterday, but he did. So if they get Carlton Davis back too, that's all three of their top three corners, and it takes them from a bad secondary to all of a sudden a very good one. Not just that, uh, but do you know what the deal with Vita Vey is? Is he does he have like a long term? So he got he was close to playing. They said on okay. the broadcast last night that like they showed him doing some warm ups beforehand before they had to announce the inactives. So he's pushing. Like he might be pretty close. Yeah. So uh, if Vita Vey and Carlton Davis join this defense, they they go from decent to exactly as good as they were last year. And we expected them to be kind of more like a top five defense this year than the middling one they've been. It's almost entirely due to especially Carlton Davis's injury. He's been out for a long time by now. So him, Bunting Murphy, Vita Vey, that's going that would change the line or it should uh, if they're all in. So I don't know whether this two and a half 
assumes anything in particular with those th- those guys. But if Vita Vey ba- Vita Vey is back, that would be the worst thing for the Colts because Jonathan Taylor he obviously looks insane. But I think Vita Vey Tampa Bay defense is tougher against the run than the Buffalo run defense that Taylor just annihilated. Like I wasn't actually I was surprised at the the volume of touchdowns just because that seems improbable yeah you only see one or two of those type of performances a year maybe yeah but the uh the front that taylor did well from scrimmage was not that surprising i mean the bills run defense wasn't particularly well tested they got lit up by derrick henry earlier this year uh despite having good numbers overall so uh tampa bay with vita vea though that's that would be surprising to me if taylor it, it would be very impressive if taylor could get going against that particular defense so uh some some quick breaking news here uh Text from my inside source, a.k.a. my dad who's watching ESPN right now. Uh, Andy Dalton was just named the starter for, he sh- for Thursday. Why is he not watching the stream? <laughs> I I hope he's got it pulled up on his phone. Otherwise, you know, he's a, a real traitor for that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Dalton, I assume, uh, you know, who cares? The, as long as they aren't starting Tim Boyle themselves, I think they'll win that one. All right, so Tim Boyle clones. Let's 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 see it happen. Let's not. Um, okay, so uh, rounding out your your point on, on Taylor versus the, this run defense. So is it is this something where you you'll be looking out for that injury report on on Tampa Bay that 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 list of inactives that comes out an hour and a half before kick to to kind of make your full decision? Yeah, because if they don't have Vita Vey, the Tampa Bay run defense isn't bad in that case. Far from it, but you do need a very good run defense to stop Jonathan Taylor. And uh, just the same, or, you know, the other side of that is if you're the Colts and Taylor can't win this game for you, you can't win this game. So okay. I think, uh, you know, it comes down to that both for, uh, you know, the, the, the fancy implications of Taylor, but also the question of whether the Colts can realistically compete, because if it's just Tom Brady versus Carson Wentz, haha, like that, that's not a real game. Yeah. We, we know how, how that uh, w- would end up. And then on, on the Bucks side, what did you make of Gronk's return last night and, and you know how that how that sets up against this Indianapolis defense? Seems like they took enough time to let him get truly 100 percent. And before he had the no practice on Friday or Saturday, whatever it was, uh, he practiced fully before that. And if you look at their their injury report, the last day before a game, they'll often or sorry, their last practice, I should say. Uh, they often give guys like Indamakong Sue the day off. And so it was like, man, it, unless there was a really nasty setback that looked like just a veteran rest day. And I think the, his usage against the Giants and his effectiveness against the Giants seemed to make that pretty clear. Like he's he's ready to go uh, and, and hopefully he stays healthy this time because he, he could rake pretty much the rest of the way. Yeah, I think so, too. He looked he looked pretty awesome uh, last night. So uh, hopefully that that's able to continue. Um, but yeah, th- this this I kind of have circled it as one of the better games uh, of the Sunday slate. Very, very much uh, looking forward to that one. Before we get things moving further, we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet the premier digital casino and sports book app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. 
Want to break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also get a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The, the NFL season is heating up, and Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests now being shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 in site credit to offer uh, any any paid contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the $1 million DFS NFL Baller Contest. The weekly $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including First place receiving $100,000 in tons of overlay and prizes in addition to that first place winning $100,000. Play Daily Fantasy Football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer to get started. All right, Mario, pushing forward. We got Giants, Eagles. Eagles playing well, playing really well of late I you know the from earlier in the season where they, they looked like they they were kind of this identityless team that that w- was going to fall off a cliff any moment they, they've really gotten things rolling uh kind of started with with their their route of the lions uh, of course the lions had had plenty to do with that as well but they took care of business against them nonetheless in a way that uh certainly not the browns or or the uh, steelers uh were unable to do um, just kind of steamrolling them. They, they go out to Denver. They, they beat the Broncos. They, they go ahead and beat the Saints convincingly this past weekend. Jalen Hurts has a, has a huge game, especially on the ground. So things are clicking when it comes to the Eagles uh, offensively right now. And that, that I think, was kind of the big question coming into the season and, and after the first month or so of the season. But how, how do you view this game going up against a Giants team that uh, is – it, relatively talented on paper, but but certainly just reeling right now and and just uh, snake bitten by by the constant mistakes that, that Daniel Jones and company tend to make. Yeah, and it sounds like Joe Judge is making everything worse. Uh, there's no way that team takes him seriously. So the, all the players are professionals. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna just like boycott the game. But the Eagles are probably going to be focused and they're they're gonna play hard and they're they're. Um, they're sincerely in it, you know? So uh, I would think the giants are at a pretty big disadvantage if only for the circumstances, even though they're at home. And one thing that I think is actually really good about the the Eagles offense lately is uh, like we were talking about with the bills. I think the Eagles pretty clearly at uh, it looks like it was uh, maybe week seven, week six, something like that week eight against the, I guess you'd say week eight against the lions uh, when he threw uh, 17 or sorry, 14 passes. Uh, the Eagles stopped throwing as much from as widespread uh, of formations. And they started running more and specifically running more with the power element of Jordan Howard, which they did not have in the offense before they, they it was a position that didn't play. 
in those first six weeks or whatever. So they've lightened their pass attempt volume. They've allowed Jalen Hurts to run more uh, while not just passing less. He's running more, too. And they're running more with other guys and specifically in a power element. So that makes it easier for Hurts because he doesn't need to be exposed as a passer as much. And when he does need to throw, the defense is more worried about the run than they were in those first month, the first four weeks or so. So I was concerned about Jalen Hurts as a starter, and I, I still don't believe he's a good passer or anything close to it. But this particular way of running the offense, I do think can work. And and this is if I had known that they would do this specifically, I would have been more comfortable with Hertz because I, I don't see why he will make mistakes being utilized like this. And that, that was a really good Saints defense that that worked against, even though he didn't throw for very much, didn't throw for very well. So um, they do need a competent defense to be a winning team with this approach. I happen to think that it's worth considering building a team that way with the out of control quarterback costs and uh, just the futility sometimes of trying to pursue a really good passer and the draft and in free agencies. Like sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes it makes more sense to take a guy like Hertz who maybe can't throw the ball, but can run and then use your savings to get a better defense. And if you can lean on the defense a bit like they could last week, they get really tough all of a sudden because they don't need to expose Hertz as a passer and he's dangerous as a runner and, and when he can uh, play comfortably at quarterback. So I, I do think playing Simeon made it a little easier and also the Saints offensive line was really beat up. Uh, I do worry about Hertz in games where the Eagles defense can't play well and they maybe are forced to pass. But against the Giants, that doesn't yeah, really, that doesn't really apply. That so uh, he might not need to throw or run that much, depending on how bad the Giants are. But I, I think the Eagles should take care of business pretty comfortably here. So speaking of the Giants and their offense, more breaking news. What a show we're having. Jason Garrett just got fired, man. Yeah, see, like that's that's ridiculous because obviously Jason Garrett is not good. But the issue is Joe Judge. Um, is is just looking for a scapegoat like this is this Jason Garrett is not singularly responsible enough for the things wrong with the Giants for firing him to fix anything so this is moving the deck chairs on the on the Titanic type of deal this is a child throwing a fit Joe Judge is a baby and he's throwing a fit and uh, he's not convincing anybody I guarantee you that team thinks he's a joke they resent him they want this season to be over and uh yeah if if Nagy's gone after Thursday, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe is gone after Monday. Mm, yeah, the, this uh, a division loss too, and and one that could get you know ugly potentially. I, I think that things could certainly trend in that direction. Um, I guess I guess one one more quick uh, bit of insight from from you before we move off the Giants. Uh, How do you think Saquon looked uh, in his return? Sorry, I did not watch uh, the Saquon plays. I was just kind of following on Twitter and watching the big plays. But uh, looking at the numbers, it's not great. Uh, I suppose he probably wasn't fully healthy. And even if he was, I guess they were trying to ease him in a little bit. But uh, Vita Vey was not playing in that game. So doing nothing on the ground, doing not a whole lot as a pass catcher. I don't know. I guess Jones was playing so bad. Maybe Barkley didn't really have a chance as a pass catcher, but uh, I don't think he's, I don't think Barkley was particularly convincing. Yeah. Yeah. The, that, that wasn't like the most, I mean, it was going to be a, t- a tough. Um, I do worry. Return, but, yeah. I, I do worry about him in a bad offense. I mean, we've talked about this before. He's an incredible athlete and he's a really good pass catcher, but if your offense sucks and you don't have good blocking, I'm not confident in his ability to see out of the backfield, like a guy like Chubb or Taylor, uh, I feel like he needs the space, and if you don't have a quarterback who can throw, he can't get going as a pass catcher either. So 
it's kind of concerning. Yeah, no, it it a hundred percent is. Let's keep rolling. Panthers going to Miami to face the Dolphins. Uh, we got the Dolphins as two point home underdogs. So that that's some respect to a, a potentially resurgent Panthers, although they you know that obviously coming off of the loss this past Sunday. Um, so where are you on this one? I, I have a hard time getting a read on either of these teams. Yeah. Um, so I like, or, you know, I, th- I thought, I thought Phil snow did a good job most of this year, but he got destroyed by Scott Turner of all people last week. So that's pretty concerning. Uh, the Washington offense has some really good players. Like McLaurin's obviously great. And I actually like Heineke a little bit as like a, you know, 20th best quarterback kind of guy. Uh, but for Carolina's defense with a substantial amount of talent, it's not like they were just kind of getting by on scheme when they were doing well. It's like that, that pass rush is really dangerous, and uh, they got some speed at linebacker, some speed in the secondary. They've added Gilmore, and yet the defense was just a mess against Washington. So I don't want to assume that they'll bounce back here. It's possible that Turner found some flaw, and maybe Miami can find it and exploit it too. But I'm really skeptical. Uh, I think... I think um, the, the, their co-offensive coordinator thing that Miami is doing is is just such a bad idea, and the the two people that are involved with it, incidentally, are also not good at their jobs anyway. So uh, everything is disjointed about the Miami offense, and uh, not that the not that the Washington offense was doing much better before last week, but I just can't see like I don't see the Terry McLaurin uh, type of dominance from from Jalen Waddle. Uh, it, not that Waddle won't be great at some point, and, and he's really good now, obviously. But Terry McLaurin, I think, uh, if someone really wanted to, t- to argue that he's the best receiver in the league, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put up a fight against it. It's like I, I don't personally think that, but he's so incredibly good, uh, I don't feel like arguing against it. And uh, I, I just think Phil Snow probably bounces back. The Carolina pass rush, uh, especially, could be a problem for a Miami offensive line. That's a joke. Uh, the Carolina offensive line is a joke too, but Miami doesn't have any front seven guys really. Jalen Phillips, I guess, but that's it. Right, exactly. And you know, he he's just a rookie. Uh, he's not quite at at game wrecker uh, level just yet. Um, what do you make of of Tua's performance of late? I don't. I cannot figure out what I think about that guy. You know, neither can I. It looks bad, but everything looks bad. Uh, kind of like non-negotiably like I I watched that offense and I I say like that didn't look good but I can't watch it and and convince myself that it would have gone any better with a different quarterback really maybe it would I I definitely don't I definitely don't have any confidence at this point that Tua is good but I also don't know how much he really bears responsibility for this atrocious team I think it starts at the top with Stephen Ross and uh, he's the owner or main owner anyway and uh yeah, it feels it feels like everything is just disjointed and just uh, poorly run with that team. And I don't even know if Flores wants to be there in, anymore. So I, I I I don't expect it to get better. I, I think Carolina can at least do some things well, and Miami basically does nothing well. Yeah, that that's that, that sums it up pretty pretty nicely. So it, it's not like two has been getting um, you know all the breaks as far as the offensive uh, line is so bad it's incredible how bad their offensive line is especially given the draft picks that they've put into it it's it's almost it's almost impressive but robert hunt uh made that cool play where he caught the where he thought the screen was for him (laughs) i i really appreciate him doing that because it was it was like the most uh, human and and like you know 
inspiring thing you could do. So he's just like having that epiphany in the middle of the play, just like this season sucks. This team sucks. I'm yeah. going to do something, you know, worthwhile for the first time all year. Yeah, that was uh, that. That was an amazing moment. Every other uh, play for them sucks. However, <laughs> it does. And then um, uh, on the the Ravens end of that, um, it, as a man who's not large in stature, I was I was thoroughly impressed by. Uh, I think it was maybe Brandon Stevens. It might have been, no. It might have been someone. It might have been like Tavon Young, <laughs> just absolutely like missling a three hundred pound man and sending him flipping through the air. Uh, yeah. I felt inspired by by that particular moment. Uh, in its own right, but we got plenty of games to get to, so let's, let's keep things rolling. I, I digress. Sorry about that. Uh, Patriots Titans, maybe the game of the week for the AFC. Um, the Patriots obviously playing extremely well. Um, it seems like um, Titans coming off a, a big head scratcher, but I, I think similar to to the Bills and their and their loss to the Jaguars earlier. I think that you know that can be somewhat forgiven, but th- this is a Titans team that it, I think we were kind of realized on Sunday in a tangible way, how, how thin of a line that they're walking with, with how banged up their, their like star players on offense are. I mean, you're, you're already operating without Derrick Henry. And, you know, if you lose AJ Brown, in addition to Julio Jones, there might just not be enough that they can, they can muster up. Right. Uh, what, what I'm trying to pull up their injury reports was there. So Brown hurt his hand right off the bat. And then I believe he hurt his chest. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's tough for me. Like if they were certainly if they had Henry, I would say six and a half points is too much. And if they had just AJ Brown, I might say six and a half is too much. If they don't have him and they don't have Julio, that's uh, I don't know. That's that's just maybe too much at once. So, I, on the one hand, I do think people are overrating the Patriots' offense. It's it's actually getting really annoying uh, watching all this stuff about how oh, Mac Jones is you know the best whatever he's just the best quarterback why even uh, why tap the brakes enough to say rookie best rookie like no he's just he's just one of the best quarterbacks right now it's like he's doing a good job and, and he doesn't have that good of receivers to work with but he's just he's playing a game like Alex Smith could play like this this team would not look a even single bit different with Alex Smith uh, prime Alex Smith not you know busted leg Alex Smith but um that's that's good there's there's a place in the league for quarterbacks like that and I happen to believe Jones will be better than that especially when he gets uh better receivers to work with but right now they're just a check down offense that gets by on good field positioning and a run game that's just good enough to capitalize on their good field positioning which is perfectly fine to win it's like they're, they're a good team right now um and the, the Titans being as shorthanded as they are probably should be considered the underdogs um, six points just feels kind of like a lot. It feels like a Tannehill meltdown kind of thing, which is totally in play. I don't think Tannehill's particularly good. Yeah. So it, this is a tricky one to, to figure out. I think I probably would defer to the Patriots in this one. Their um, defense is playing really well. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And you know, it, when you have a, a guy who's pr- can be mistake prone, like, like Tannehill can against a, a really opportunistic defense and not just like, I'm not saying that the Patriots are only opportunistic because of the way they played against the Falcons a week ago and picked off everything that those backup quarterbacks threw. I think I think that they could seriously kind of flip the game, and, and you know this sets up to play right into the hands of, of what the Patriots' 2021 formula is, where it's just like play possession, play good defense, don't turn it over yourself, and, and get out with 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 the win. And they seem to be kind of mastering that right now, and, and in an AFC that 
is kind of up for grabs now. The Patriots have kind of asserted themselves into into that uh, conversation as to being one, one of the more dangerous teams in the conference, and they can really further establish that this week if, if they're able to to win and, uh, as the Vegas odds imply, win rather convincingly against the Titans. Yeah, the more I think about it, I do think Tannehill completely falls apart here. Okay, good bet. Good bet like that. Um, let's go Steelers, Bengals. We got the Bengals, four-point home favorites. Bengals bounced back, coming off the bye last week, looked good against the Raiders. Joe Mixon ran all over the Raiders. Do we see that that is like the start of, of a new philosophy for, for the Bengals, or, or is that them exploiting a matchup? I do think the Raiders are more vulnerable on the ground than through the air. And if you're running the ball, you don't have to worry about Joe Burrow getting hit by Max Crosby or Yannick Ngakwe. So I think it made sense to approach it that way. And, you know, the results kind of spoke for themselves, I think. So I would say the, the run game like that is on the table, but it's something that they don't need to do. They can definitely throw the ball more. And I think especially if they feel like they can handle the pass rush. So in this case, uh, I guess it comes down to whether TJ Watts playing. And if uh, ideally, I, well, I guess Fitzpatrick missed that last game because of COVID list. Right. So he's going to be back um, or he should be anyway. So, um, yeah, TJ Watt, if he's out, I guess I like the chances of the Bengals throwing quite a bit more. But if he's in, uh, yeah, they can probably lean on their defense and, and mix in and still get the win here. Yeah, I just think that, you know, the Chargers or I'm sorry, that the Steelers played in kind of like a big 12 style of game on 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 Sunday night. Um, I don't like their chances of of doing that again and, and competing this Sunday against the Bengals. The, the Chargers are, are just a team that that has the proclivity to just get into very weird games and never put teams away, even when they should. Um, you know, they, they get a, a punt blocked and, and all this and that to, to really let Pittsburgh back into that one. Yeah, that um, didn't seem very close. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the Bengals in this spot as well. Uh, let's get on over Jaguars, Falcons. Your thoughts? Uh, not good. Um, I don't know. I guess Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts will go as Matt Ryan does, and maybe Matt Ryan can go a little bit here. But it's it's not a given. Uh, the Jags' defense has been playing pretty decent for I don't know a month or so. Uh, however, I I don't think their offense can get going. It it sounds like things are really really bad there. Like Urban Meyer is. Not just a bad coach and a moron and a bad person, but he's he also sounds like an extremely lazy guy who basically like doesn't do anything but kind of get in the way of what other coaches are trying to do just to say like actually I think we should do this instead and then he you know, goes to lunch and it's it's like Bavel can't run the offense and he's he's not really running it it's it's like just this mangled thing where uh, Bavel's going through the motions and Myers kind of just uh, being a weird tyrant. Uh, like an ineff- an ineffectual like indifferent tyrant like it's 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 weird yet once wants the control and doesn't really want to do anything either so uh they can't play uh the t- the the falcons you know they have no talent but at, at least i think they um are, are better enough on offense than the jags are that they should be able to win even though they're terrible too yeah it's it's a mess for jacksonville i mean to to get boat raced by it by san francisco that way maybe i need to reconsider my, my san francisco position but i, I think that a, a game like last weekend said a little bit more about about jacksonville um, than san francisco so awful stuff there and then um 
Yeah, the, the Falcons just don't really have the, the talent, like you mentioned. That's just a, a, a non-serious uh, group of starters on, on both sides of the ball. So that this will be a rock fight. Um, this is one that where you have the Falcons one-point uh, favorites on the road here, and uh, that would that wouldn't make it if I'm in the super contest. I wouldn't make it in, in my top five uh, for for bets that I'm gonna gonna put down. That's for certain. Uh, let's head out to the AFC West. We got the Chargers going up against the Broncos. Broncos off the bye. Chargers off the exciting Sunday night win over the Steelers. Chargers two and a half point road favorites. What say you? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to pick Denver just because I don't really want to pick against Justin Herbert, but I do think Herbert has to do too much as a general rule with that team. And I think that fact leaves them vulnerable to letdowns because sometimes, you know, Herbert just can't do every single thing himself and he, he gets kind of let down by other aspects of the team too often. It's like when I look at this Chargers defense versus the, uh, the Denver offense, I don't really see anything intimidating for the Denver offense. So if Justin Herbert has to kind of play 10 on 11 all the time on offense, and if the Chargers defense doesn't have something on the Denver offense, I, I like Denver more actually, but that's just kind of because I think they should be able to run more consistently, like kind of just get first downs more easily and, and develop a field positioning advantage over the course of the game. Cause uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like Herbert has had uh, easier layups than this that have gone wrong this year. Now he absolutely has. It's it's been a, a clunky season, but but hopefully, I think last weekend's game, even even against a, a shorthanded uh, Steelers defense, I think could be a, a sign of things to come for for the Chargers the rest of the way, and that they could potentially live up to those lofty preseason expectations. Let's go. We got a huge game here up at, uh, up in your neck of the woods. We got the Rams and the Packers. But before then, a quick message from our friends over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim that free RotoWire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100 percent deposit bonus up to $100 and three play in your first paid contest and receive a free six month RotoWire subscription. So again, head on over to rotowire.com slash thrive for some more details on that. Mario, again, let's keep things rolling. We got Rams Packers up in green Bay Rams coming off of the bye week um, they, they obviously have made a, a bunch of high-profile moves in, in recent weeks to, to bolster them for a Super Bowl run, and then they, they've not played well uh, since doing them. Uh, of course, the, I think the the game against the 49ers was particularly surprising to me. I guess it, it is a divisional opponent. Shanahan does seem to have some sort of edge over McVay. Um, how do you think that they fare going into this game? How do you think they use the bye to get Beckham involved in the offense, especially with no Robert Woods? Yeah, Matt Stafford needs to play better either way. And I know there's sometimes things just go wrong for no real reason. And they tend to even out over time when Stafford, when you have a quarterback as good as Stafford, but he's looked just bad for about a month, I feel like. And if he keeps looking like that, Beckham and no other receivers in particular can really save him from from that low quality of play. So a little worried about Stafford. 
if Stafford can have a certain level of play, then I like the Rams a bit more, I guess, just because I don't take the Packers defense that seriously beyond, uh, I guess, like the safeties are pretty good and they got a good uh, Kenny Clark and, and Gary are a good lineman combo, but it just feels like the Rams with a week to work with Beckham and Miller, it's like they're, they're going to come out looking a little differently, I would think. And I'm, uh, I know Rodgers played well last week, but if he's dealing with some toe problem, I don't know. It's if Stafford plays bad, I, I guess uh, if Stafford keeps playing like he has, I should say, then the Packers win. But if, if Stafford plays like he did in the first month or whatever, I think I like the Rams. Def- definitely fair. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Uh, let's keep things rolling. We got Vikings Niners. Just real quick, your, your 30 second uh, thousand thousand yard view on, on this particular matchup. Vikings secondary isn't very good, so could be another good spot for Garoppolo, especially since there's no Daniil Hunter in the pass rush. So uh, I feel like San Francisco's defense is a lot better than Minnesota's and they are warranted three point favorites. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm st- again, I'm starting to, to buy in on, on this Niners team a little bit more. I think that this is a, a, a matchup between two teams who are sneaky, uh, sneakily like, you know, I, I don't think that you can fully trust ever a, a Kirk Cousins-led team, but there, there's a little bit of something to Minnesota in the way they've been playing the, these teams in all these close games this year, having having a, a seven-point lead, I believe, in every single game this season. That, that says a little bit of something. And then uh, let, let's see if we got time for these last two primetime games. Mario, I'm going to be at this one. Ravens, Browns, in the big crab cake. What am I going to see? Well, uh, hopefully Lamar can play, and hopefully when they, if he does, hopefully Joe Woods, the Cleveland defensive coordinator, plays a lot of man coverage because if the Ravens need to get something going against basic zone coverages, Greg Roman will basically sabotage the entire offense, which they won't be able to afford with Nick Chubb on the other side. Like Baker Mayfield's a joke, and it, it is funny how that's going right now, but Ravens defense can't deal with Chubb if they keep putting the defense on the field too long. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I got it. The worlds are colliding right now. So a, a likely replacement for Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens. Oh, that should fix it. That world's colliding. I, I bet they're really good now. Yeah, that 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 will fix everything. But but no, to your point, the Ravens give up way too many big plays. Uh, their their defense not nearly as good as it's been in in recent years. Uh, Brandon Williams is out, and I don't think that they have a ton of success stopping Nick Chubb. And if, if the Browns get healthier along the offensive line and also get Kareem Hunt back, then, um, you know, that this could be a, a high scoring game, higher scoring than, than you would anticipate. And then of course, Baltimore absolutely needs Lamar on, on their side. If, if this is going to be a real game, they, they don't get to play the bears um, every single week to, to, um, to be able to win with, with Tyler Huntley. But that's going to wrap things up Mario for, for this edition of the Rotowire fantasy football podcast again for mario puig i'm john mckechnie have a great thanksgiving everybody thanks for listening once again and and again our podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. enjoy your thanksgiving holiday try rotowire today free for 10 days get our premium tools rankings analysis and breaking news alerts no credit card required go to rotowire.com forward slash try.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.